Is your nonprofit ready for a capital campaign? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and this is the first day from the Fundraising School. I'm joined today by Dr. Gene Temple. He is the Dean Emeritus of the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And throughout his decades-long career, Dr. Temple has been involved with numerous successful capital campaigns, ranging from $1 billion at a major research university to campaigns in the six and seven figures for local nonprofits and religious congregations. And Gene, thanks so much for being back with us again on this podcast. Uh, and as you think about capital campaigns, what are kind of, there's so much that organizations need to know to be ready, but are there one or two things that really jump out at the outset that can help an organization know, yes, we should be moving forward on a capital campaign? Well, Bill, I would say that, that, that uh, you should never think of a capital campaign without asking yourself, what's the case for support? Mm -hmm. So some organizations think, well, it's, it's time to have a capital campaign, or they think about things like, well, uh, maybe we need to have a capital campaign because it will help our annual fund in the end, things like that. But, but one should never think about having a capital campaign unless there's a real case for support. That is, the case for support drives all fundraising, and especially it's important in, in driving forward a capital campaign. Because too often people say, well, my neighbor nonprofit did one, so now it's my turn. That's and correct. That's that, not a good way to go. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that phrase, now it's our turn, off too, too many times. And just because it's our turn doesn't mean we can be successful with a capital campaign. What other internal dynamics are important? We always talk about board engagement. That was a podcast you did for us previously. It would seem for something of this magnitude, I would really need my board to be fully involved. Yes, I, I think um, I think the uh, you know we, we do a test for readiness in the fundraising school. It's an old uh, it's an old example of how you can look at whether your organization is ready to go into a capital campaign or not. Um, but it, it, there are some six significant things in that uh, in that test that one really needs to focus on. Do I have an engaged board uh, that's that's able to contribute a significant amount to the capital campaign? And if you haven't, if you don't have that in the in the inside, if you don't have a board that's willing to take on the capital campaign and contribute a significant amount to it, toward it, and provide the leadership then the campaign doesn't have any energy to get started. And it starts with our board, but then there are other aspects internally from our annual fund. We need some folks who can really get us started in a big way, help our audience understand so, that. So the, most organizations don't think about how important an, uh, a history of gift support is to the organization. So you know, there's, there's good research that shows that a lot of these larger gifts to organizations come out of people who've made smaller gifts in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there is some research that shows how long it takes for an, or, for, for, an in, for an individual to go from first gift to a gift of, say, a $50,000. At Indiana University, that, is, that number is about 13, 13 plus years for 44% of the people who wow. give gifts at that level. So that, that's, a, that's a really important part. So, so having a gift history that is a robust annual fund, but then in addition to that, uh, the, just the opportunity to move people uh, into deeper engagement with the organization. So I give a gift of $100, I repeat that gift, uh, I'm testing the organization to see how it responds. How do I engage that person more deeply in the organization? Because out of that deep engagement comes a larger commitment to the organization. So once I see everything the organization is doing, et cetera, if I don't have a plan for donor development and donor engagement in the organization, then I don't have an engaged donor base that can lead me to these larger gifts that are going to be required in the capital campaign. And it could be two or three, five or 10, 15 or 20 donors 
that might get us two-thirds of the way towards our goal. It's a small yeah. number of people with these large gifts before we go public to everybody else, right? That's, that's correct. And, and, uh, and of course, as, um, as wealth is more uh, narrowly uh, accumulating in society, the capital campaigns have become more narrowly, uh, more narrowly focused mm -hmm. on the top. So when, especially and if we don't have a very broad donor base, we, if we have to think about, uh, we have only a small limited number of uh, potential donors uh, to get engaged in our campaign, then we have to th think very carefully about those large leadership gifts. You know, Gene, when I teach for the fundraising school and I ask uh, people, show of hands, how many of you would venture into a capital campaign? Very few hands go up and then I say, if this isn't about a building, if this could be about maybe some equipment, maybe some technology, maybe to help fund a staff position, uh, maybe for a, an equipment maintenance and repair type of thing, now everybody's hand goes up. And the fundraising school, we use the term comprehensive campaign. I know you have another phrase for this, and it really encourages nonprofits. If we're going this far with our donors, with some of their larger gifts and the history of their giving to our organization, we need to think big. Yeah, I think we need to think big and we need to think carefully because uh, a capital campaign does put the uh, organization's risk, uh, reputation at risk. So when you do a capital campaign, you say we're going to raise X number of dollars um, in, a, in this defined time period. We have now said to the public, as soon as we say that, we've said to the public that we have, in fact, the power to make this happen. We have the case for support, we have the donor base, we have the credibility, the reputation to make that happen. If we fail to make that happen, it has disastrous consequences on the organization. It, it affects the organization's standing and reputation in the community. It may affect some, uh, some, some uh, current donors. It may affect all those donors who contributed to the capital campaign and see that it's not successful. So it, we have to be very, very careful in, in moving forward. Gene, a lot of times a nonprofit will bring in a consultant to advise on a capital campaign. What is some of the advice that you have uh, for those nonprofits who might be considering bringing a consultant on board? Well, I think the, uh, the, the nonprofit should think very carefully about who to select for a, for a, for a, a consultant. Um, certainly, it's, it's advisable to have a consultant help you do some kind of a market study or, or what we used to call feasibility studies to think about whether the, whether the campaign is actually feasible, whether the campaign has, the organization has the standing to drive forward a capital campaign, and to look at some of these factors like whether there's key volunteer leadership and key donors uh, um, out there. Um, because if we, know, if we know how much money we typically would like to raise, uh, let's say we want to raise $3 million or $5 million. We, we can do a gift range chart that tells us, that predicts for us what kind of gifts we had to have at the top of that gift range chart in order to be successful. And one of the things that donors can do is they can find out, one of the things consultants can do is they can find out with, from donors on an independent basis, not talking to anybody from the organization, whether there are any concerns about the organization, the organization's leadership, the organization's board, and whether or not there are donors out there who might make those significant lead gifts. So we look at the data from our donor database. We can talk to those donors and other civic leaders, often with somebody who's independent of the organization, a consultant who comes in 
to help us know if we are ready. And Gene, the other question we get all the time, and you hear it when you teach with us as well, is how can I do this and not have my annual fund suffer? And I know that's a very complicated answer, very layered, uh, but what's a word of advice that you have for nonprofits in that regard? Well, certainly um, you, don't want the, you don't want the annual fund to suffer during the capital campaign, and you don't want people who are giving to the organization on a regular basis to substitute uh, their annual fund gift in, into a capital campaign gift. So you should always um, either combine the annual fund and the capital campaign and make sure that people keep their annual fund gift at the same level plus add on for the capital campaign. Or as you're soliciting those gifts, lead two gifts. Get a commitment that somebody will in fact uh, continue the annual fund gift during the campaign during the time of the campaign increase it if possible and then add on the the gift for the capital campaign now one of the benefits of these capital campaigns is that it, it raises people's sights about what might be possible so if organizations do the right thing keep people keep people engaged during the time of the capital campaign and as those campaign pledges are ending go back and talk to people about they've been giving instead of giving two thousand dollars a year now they're giving five thousand dollars a year or six thousand dollars a year perhaps they would increase the two thousand dollar a year commitment on, a, on an ongoing basis to say four thousand dollars and so sometimes uh, organizations will come through the annual fund be going like this but when, when the capital campaign ends, they sometimes see a bump up in the capital and the annual fund gift, uh, the gifts that are coming to the organization, and then continue on a, on a plane based on that. The reason we have the fundraising school at Indiana University, which then led to the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, is because of a gift that Dr. Temple raised from the fundraising school's founder, Dr. Henry Rosso, who gifted the fundraising school to Indiana University. And now today we have the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Gene was the founding dean of the Lilly Family School. He's now Dean Emeritus. And you heard so much good advice and some words of warning. And we're just scratching the surface. There's so much more about capital campaigns. If you are thinking about doing this and doing this well, this is one of our public courses that we offer all over the United States. Uh, we can offer this specifically for your organization in a custom training arrangement. We can take this course around the world. There's more information on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. We also have quarterly webinars. We have this weekly podcast, a lot of ways that we can help you from the fundraising school. With Dr. Gene Temple, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. You are now fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Thank you.